0: Hey, Ramon. Hey, Timea. Let's talk gender equality.
1: I love the idea. Give me a second. I just got to grab my coffee. I hope you've got yours too.
0: Yeah, right here. Welcome to another podcast on gender equality over coffee. And Ramon and me are delighted to have today Francisca uh, on our show. Hi, Francisca. Hello.
1: Hey there. I... I'm so excited to have you here, Francisca, and if I may share through the world, we are recording today on your birthday. So let me, on behalf Hi. of our listeners, <laughs> wish you yeah. a very happy birthday.
0: Happy birthday. <laughs>
1: I you. Believe, yeah, I can't believe that you took the time to 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 record with us. This is such an honor and, you know, we want to make this as fun for you as possible, so for our listeners, Francisca, why don't you um, tell us a little about yourself, maybe a fun nickname and do please follow it up with three random things about yourself.
2: Mm-hmm. It's actually intriguing to note that uh, I am not a big fan of nicknames. So I, I do get called Fran a lot of the times or Franzi, uh, the German sort of nickname, but uh, I do go by Francisca only. So um, usually that's my, as you would call it, nickname, my full name basically. And uh, as for three uh, things that I would say define me, or that that people might not know about me, um, I have. Uh, I'm a huge fan of tardigrades. I'm not sure if you know what tardigrades are. Me not. They're the. Are they? Are they?
1: No. I'm going to make a fool of myself. Please tell us. <laughs>
2: You are, you are on the right track oh, yes. and they are these little like tiny microscopic beings um, that you can find everywhere on this planet and they're actually superheroes so you can you can freeze them you can cook them you can put them in space they will survive they will just come back to life and it's just they have seemingly eternal life and they're just amazing and they also look really really cute and that combination i find uh, is also kind of a marker for diversity, right? Things that might seemingly look Ooh. cute actually have great strength in them. So huge fan that. of pirates. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, to other facts about me, um, I once uh, stood on a stage with the rapper Tiger, if that tells you something.
1: I'm afraid i was I'm... called
0: up on stage. No,
1: <laughs> I'm afraid I'm um, terrible yeah. at musicians.
0: Is okay. he in Germany or more known no. or? No, he's a
2: famous- famous US rapper uh, once was linked with one of the Kardashian Jenners. Um, and uh, I was at his concert in Munich and I was dancing and I'm doing my thing. And then they were like, "Francisca, come up on stage and uh, there were a, a, a couple of people.
0: Uh, wow. Yeah. So That's yeah. exciting. <laughs> That's, okay. That's a next level public speaking fear for me. <laughs> yeah. Dancing yeah. in front of a huge stage with, well, a well-known rapper—that's something.
2: Yeah, but the, the fun fact was that all of the other people went towards him, and I was like, "Yay, I'm on stage!" And I just enjoyed that kind of a little bit more than close <laughs> <he saw laughs> <North> proximity.
1: Fair <laughs> enough.
2: <laughs> there are no videos, as far as I know, but yeah, um, I'm a big, big Afrobeats and dancehall and hip hop fan, and so forth. So um, it, it was an honor to be called up there and to be able to do my thing. That's amazing. Um, and the, the, the third fact that, again, not a lot of people know about me, my grandparents had a sort of part-time farm. And I grew up there a lot of the time in my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, spent a lot of time there. And uh, I actually harvested potatoes, helped with slaughtering animals, like mm. all of those things. So I know what it's Fun like stuff. to go the countryside and uh, harvest all kinds of things. Hay, also hay was always a big thing. Um, and now that I live in the big city and work in tech, it's like two, two different uh, forms of life, I would say, uh, but uh, I, I, I feel grounded through this because I know where food is coming from and what needs to be invested to have that and um, yeah it was it was a nice childhood from that angle and um, yeah I'm. I don't ever want to harvest potatoes again. It's
0: very hard.
1: <laughs> I, I already, I already, saw, I already have a bad time peeling potatoes. I can't imagine harvesting them.
0: <laughs> actually, I, I, I liked actually that part of harvesting. I found it, um, because I also have, um, I had the opportunity to be on a farm with, from with my grandparents and all that, and I found it always amazing. Because potato was my favorite vegetable. Now it's avocado, but how they were growing there in their like underground caves and the fact that you pull it out and it comes uh, and then you, you like I don't know I f- still feel very happy that I experienced that part and I would harvest potatoes I still like potatoes a lot better than um, the part with the animals that part I nah I leave it for the <laughs> big farmers I suppose
1: I love okay uh, I, I love what you said francisco about having this these different perspectives from childhood because I, I think i think you would you would agree perhaps agree with me that having these having these different experiences and backgrounds is what makes really good tech industries and in, in diversity as well and this is a big this is a big topic of your work isn't it uh diversity and and in in different industries particularly tech um i would love to hear what What's your background there? How'd you get started in in promoting diversity in tech? Mm
2: -hmm. I think for me, a large part is just frustration. And because uh, I feel like I cross a lot of the boxes is sort of when we look towards diversity. Uh, I'm a woman for one thing, I identify Mm -hmm. as a woman. And um, the other is that I live with chronic illnesses. And that makes me have a couple of mannerisms that are different, let's say, from the typical or standard that you would expect. So I always kind of stood out with this and uh, I was also vocal at the same time about it and always making sure that people understood me and knew where I was coming from. But it's still, it's a lot of emotional work um, at the same time. And then the other part is basically my mom and her discovering feminism in the 90s, uh, which was a big, big <laughs> uh, motor for me, or still to this day is a big, big motor. Um, and then again, growing up in a very sort of uh, patriarchal uh, family and structures, and then uh, just realizing that there are, as you said it, Ramon, it's there are so many different things out there and it's great that we are diverse it's great that we have the opportunity to have seen different things in life which essentially all of the studies point towards um, makes better products makes better services if you incorporate that Um, but just generally sort of to have that diversity represented and around you and enjoy that as well and to have that opportunity so i feel like it's this mixture of frustration but also sort of Liking to break patterns and challenging the status quo. Mm-hmm. And not, at least in my case, not being afraid of being different, embracing that in a way. And with that, making sure that I can pave the way for people that come after me, be that uh, because they're women or be that because they live with chronic illnesses as well. So every time I would feel that I have the opportunity to speak up and out, I would do so and I continue to do so because um, I have been in situations where people have done that for me before. And I appreciate mm-hmm. that because that gives me opportunities at the end of the day. There are still a lot of things that go wrong as you both well know, um, things where, where we have sort of very large percentages of um, people of one particular sort of what we perceive them to be. And that makes monolithic environments. And to break that up and to make sure that we have more diverse environments, you need to take those steps. So I think, again, for me, it's a mixture. And, um, but personal frustration is a very, very good motor to have because you only basically tackle things that you care about that, that kind of make you frustrated in a way. If you didn't care, you wouldn't do anything. So it, sometimes it can be good to use that frustration as a positive motor to tackle things.
0: So then it would make perfect sense why you were drawn to job descriptions that have to do with program management, Um, because that's how we both met you, basically. Uh, You were a program manager at that time.
2: I kind of transitioned into this because I was largely in community work, but in essence, in community work, you have a lot of uh, topics of diversity as well. And... Mm -hmm. With um, working at Google, it was sort of this transition from being in community management, going over to program management in the realm of community. So there were a lot of similarities and I had done a lot of project management beforehand as well. So it kind of seemed like this natural pathway for me (laughs) to have sort of an even more organizational focus um, or more project management focus, I should say, uh, but still have that big label of community within that role.
0: Yeah, and uh, just a, a quick point. So we both met Francisca while she was the program manager at um, Women tech makers for Google side for DAC, I believe. It was for the whole uh, DAC region. That was, what, two years ago, about that? About I'm that right. time, yeah. 2019. Right. And uh, so what in what role are you now? you said it was a natural flow from maybe project management to program what now
2: it's actually i feel like i am in, in in many ways sort of a, a career changer uh, but also a career adapter in a way because there has always been this natural flow from a to b and there was always this link uh, at this point i still do a lot of project management work because i'm involved in a lot of change management initiatives but what i do as a people mm-hmm. lead that's what i'm uh, currently working at, uh, working on Um, is basically I have my focus on people. So people leads are in essence, disciplinary managers of technical teams. I have two delivery teams that I take care of and um, just like an engineering manager, they are not coding on a day-to-day basis, right? I don't do that as well, but I have an even stronger focus on people. So in essence, I'm the hiring manager for the teams I take care of the teams with a strong focus on coaching. So I have individual coachings, but also team coachings. Uh, I make sure that people can thrive in the environment that they are in. I empower them. I teach to a certain degree uh, about communication methods. And I recently did a workshop on um, positive communication. Uh, but I also try to empower my team members to think about concepts of diversity, for example, because with the allyship that they provide, they can change uh, the environment as well. And then on top of that, I do a lot of, as I said, uh, change management initiatives, um, a lot of work that goes into um, sort of making sure that the transition that we have from uh, the, towards an organization that has autonomous teams where you have an environment where um, diversity is embraced and so forth. So I could quote a couple more points, but in essence to accompany that and to make sure that we have uh, projects that enable our team members. But to go back to that point of of empowering people, um, at the same time, I'm, I'm also doing a coaching certification and I recently finished my mediation certification and seeing how I can employ these skills in the environment of tech Mm -hmm. It's really rewarding for me because i see people thriving in essence when you're a coach you believe that the person brings all of the necessary skills and what what they need to go forward with them they have that in them inherently but you activate that and and help them find those resources and you give them the impulse so it's it's more of being an enabler rather than sort of being in this role of i teach you how to do things and then you need to follow up on that it's 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 less of a sort of directive based uh, leadership and that's what I really enjoy about the role I'm not alone in this I have a couple of great colleagues around me um, who come from all over the world and have all kinds of different experiences and that as a group also makes us really really um, diverse and um, gives us the the tools
0: to provide various perspectives to our team members as well that's so fascinating (laughs) I have already A lot of points I want to touch upon. Um, For example, how many teams do you or can you um, coach, consult, have under your wing at the same time?
2: That's a good question because I think resource is the most important point. We have a dual leadership system which means that, of course, I don't take care of my team members from a functional or technical point of view. So I don't do code reviews or I I don't pair program with Mm -hmm. them. We have functional leads for that as well. Um, But at the same time, you also need to look towards what kind of resources do you have so that you can enable every single team member um, in a good way. And uh, currently I have two teams around about 15, 16 people. Um, I used to have three teams, but we are growing. So I passed on on a team to my new colleague. Um, So that's great to see. Um, For me, it's it's not necessarily in how often do I meet with people, but what do I do with the time that I have with them? So how much of a qualitative time can I have with them? So I do have regular one-on-ones, but I also offer the opportunity to have separate coaching sessions with me, Um, and also, obviously, all of the other aspects, as I said, finishing a mediation certification, you do tend to also think about ways and means how you can um, enable people on sort of a a level that's more than one-on-one. So you have group workshops and so forth. Feedback culture is a big, big topic. I feel that looking around in the industry, we're not really living feedback in a good way and making sure that um, there are just breaking it down to basic models and people can adapt and understand that already makes the culture so much better in the long run. But it does take a lot of work. Yes, it does take a lot of input. And you also shouldn't underestimate the emotional load that comes with it. And um, having a good center yourself as a people lead is very, very important. Also knowing your own emotional landscape really well helps to make sure that you can then provide that calmness and that center for your team members.
1: So I'm wondering, you cool. have been you've built up this 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 vast experience in 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 people coaching and 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 one-on-ones and i'm i'm eager to know as someone who actually just this week did their first ever one-on-one tech career one-on-one i'm trying it out uh for underrepresented folks in the spanish speaking world so one thing i would love to know is how long did it take you to feel to get to a level where you felt like this was something that you could do naturally something that you that was easy say say if i say if a theoretical me was wanting to to start looking into giving pro- better feedback and that sort of thing
2: mm. um i always have to be very cautious because i fall into my coach mode really really quickly and i would i would like <laughs> Put all those questions to you, Ramon, and try to give you those impulses. Uh, But since we are in a podcast situation, uh, I try to hold myself back. Um, When I look back, I do feel that I've always had a communicative knack, and that helped me really well in community work. Um, Just being able to break, let's say, complicated complicated messages down to the nitty-gritty. But what I really liked was that, again, sometimes simple models are the best best thing that you can have. Very early on in my career, I had a colleague who explained to us what nonviolent communication was. And while I wouldn't say at that point I practiced it really well, I'm trying to practice it more and more, It's it, it did give me sort of a lifeline in how can I phrase messages in a good way and how can I understand people and how can I enable them to also then in turn communicate with me very well. What I also see in my one-on-ones is that I focus my attention completely on the other person it's not about my ego what i i have to say and so forth that that might be interesting for a podcast situation but not in a one-on-one it's not about me so the the ability to listen and to actively listen positive paraphrasing is a good tool for that um and also making sure that you ask questions on whether you understood something correctly helps a lot as well Um, and that in essence combined with the big drive and big desire to enable people, I think are a good mixture. But going out there, reading, trying to, to find good models and things that work well for you because it should never be a dogma. It should always be the thing that, that you can adapt for yourself and to your style and to your personality. I think that works really well. And that's what I have seen in the industry also support a lot of engineering managers out there to get into the role that they've sort of consciously taken they have consciously taken that step of i want to acquire this knowledge in how can i communicate better how can i coach how can i mentor and how can i at the end of the day it's also necessary mediate between people so that additional skill set helps a lot and yeah widely reading exchanging with people being coached as well helps a lot there are various ways and means to arrive at the end destination and none is the most perfect one it's just what is the most perfect one for yourself
1: thank you that's awesome
0: i have to think um very much now okay so how about diversity how does this fit in your job how do you manage to sensibilize people Um, And I think you're a big fan uh, on topics on accessibility also lately. I've seen the post. Tell us a bit about this aspect in the job. That is a very good
2: question because in essence, what I've observed and both in the community, but also in my role is that oftentimes what is the knowledge that we start out with? I feel like after years of being active in this sphere I have my filter bubble on Twitter and I get all of the tweets and things that are happening and I just, and, and, and that also makes me question myself to the point where I, for example, stopped saying things are weird or awkward because that is connected oftentimes to things like um, um, neurodiversity and so forth. So I do have that information coming towards me now with the system that I have built a lot of people haven't had that. And specifically when you are in a scenario where you're part of the majority, it's there's often the question, have you had those experiences? Uh, Timia, you and I, we've probably both had our share of experiences as women in tech and I could probably write a book about that by this point, but um, I've I've gone through it in a way. So I've had that experience. So I in turn get that frustration. So I want to do something about it. Mm Of course when there is not this level of I've had those experiences myself and I also haven't observed it, then how familiar is it to me? So that's the essence of just informing people about what are some of the things that are going on that they should be aware about. But it's also about this level of consciousness in a way Oftentimes, I found that talking to people it's they, they there is a lack of perception that, for example, discrimination happens to other people and just creating that level of empathy that is I feel key. In understanding how to be an ally and that's the end, end goal ultimately to be an ally, even I as a person of a marginalized group can be an ally to other people in specific scenarios and empathy is, is crucial in so many aspects. It just does not, it does not only pertain to diversity, it pertains to a lot of other fields. Like good collaboration is in essence based on empathy, understanding where the other person's coming from and that they are new to this and they are struggling and they, they need something to, to help them and to enable them. Um, so just s- sowing the seeds I feel is very, very important but also a complete embracing of people If there is a person who comes to you and says, well, I don't see it happening, and I don't, I cannot imagine that there is, for example, discrimination going on, how do you deal with that? You can create a line and basically be strong on your position, and then you will argue at the end of the day. But if you embrace that person and you ask questions and you get to know them, that often creates an opening for people to be like, "Ah, okay, so that is your experience. It might not always click in the first conversation, but at least they get your your point of view and your perspective, and then they can over time empathize. And, and same for me, I've had scenarios where where I was confronted with something that was like, yeah, mm, not sure, is that really the case? But then over time, I learned more about this aspect, and then I got more um, sensitized for it, if you will. So that is also very important, I feel like, and. Um, And just generally hustling, 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 (laughs) making sure that you have um, the right markers for um, reducing biases in the hiring process, for example, Um, making sure that you do the extra work and you go out there and you talk to people that you feel like would be a great addition to your team. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking, speaking up and out, uh, I often, specifically women that are younger than me often experience them to be like, oh, I don't want to, you know, go to the front and, and, and talk about that. Um, but in essence, you should raise your hand, go up there. So empowering others as well. It, it does take a lot of resource. And it's it looks from, at least from the outside, like, is it worthwhile? Is it worth it? It is. But it is definitely not an easy process, and you have to put in the work. So again I feel like it's, it's a balance, it's a mix of things that are let's say a bit more ephemeral in a way and, and, and making sure that you understand people's minds and where they are coming from, but also what is the hard work that you need to do, and that is as in essence a lot of the things that we have seen in the literature and, and in the debates on Twitter and so forth of what we all should do as people with a specific level of power and um, being those allies in these scenarios. And yeah allyship at the end of the day is if i could turn everyone into an ally i would i would put out my magic wand and wave it around (laughs) people would all be allies for each other um can i do that no but i can at least try to spread a little bit of my magic
0: this is such a wonderful um sentence Yeah, to to wish everybody to be an ally um I've, I've heard lately a lot more about allyship and it's, I think, at least in Australia, it's something that it's not talked enough about. Um, but I wanna know for your knowledge personally, where do you go to get this kind of resources, information now being about allyship or about um, a particular topic on gender equality or something in diversity? Uh, yes, you listen to people and you learn a lot. I agree, but allyship at the end of the day is still a workshop or resource. Mm. I, I've
2: mentioned it a couple of times. I think Twitter is a really good source. It's just following ah, okay. the people, <laughs> and then your timeline is automatically put together nicely. Uh, same goes for LinkedIn, obviously. Um, so all of sort of the, the the social platforms that you can leverage there is that's really good. Uh, what I've also found is very very useful source uh, are my people lead colleagues in the sense that they are wide read and they can recommend great books on the matter Um, so just asking your peer group your colleagues uh, people in your network in your community network in general it does not only have to be on social we're now in a situation where we don't meet up in person and it's we always have to do things on Zoom and we all get Zoom fatigue, but at the end of the day, networking is so crucial, not just as a tool to get information, but to also build up those connections and to get those opportunities to kind of create those opportunities for yourself. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's listening a lot of the time, it's being open and at the end of the day, it's, and that's what I always emphasize, it's this super painful process of confronting your own biases. If you're not willing to do that chances are not very high and i can personally tell i've had my moments where it, it it hurt badly where i had this realization of myself of oh my goodness is that what i'm actually thinking but we all have the patterns that we were raised with and sometimes you need to challenge them and that can be a painful process but once you do that and once you get out of that process you realize that you've gained so much more and uh, in essence, not being afraid of also hearing those experiences of other people and taking them on and, and, and making sure that that empathy level is there, I feel, is crucial. Um, and then it's, again, putting in the work and making sure that you're up to date, reading, taking the time and, and exchanging with people.
1: I love Thank that. Thank you
0: so much for the insights. I like was...
1: could Sorry.
0: <laughs> I'm learning a lot. <laughs> I,
1: I think, I think. Um... I think I heard it from Kim Creighton in one of her talks. Uh, She said that she wants us to learn to embrace being uncomfortable. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because it's just what it is. The the work will make us uncomfortable, of course, relative to our level of privilege. Myself being a white man, I've got a lot more work to do and a lot more learning to do, a lot more listening to do. And so this, this hearing hearing this just, yeah, means a lot to me. So. Thank you for, for putting it so well.
2: Yeah, and you're you mentioning something that's really important. Um, I've, I think over the last week or so, I, I said that um, I cannot, probably not imagine how it is, for example, to be a woman of color. So having already my experiences as a white woman uh, and then having sort of um, seeing also again on Twitter my time and experiences of women of color, um, what I can do is I can empathize. And I can try to to understand that perspective. What I can never do probably is understand completely how that that experience is, Um, but I can put in the work. And making sure that also others are aware of intersectionalities, for example, as well. So we do have various perspectives. Um, Timea, you mentioned accessibility. That is also something that I only discovered because of talking about living with chronic illnesses. On a stage while I was job hunting by the way so (laughs) Um, and then sort of finding the the accessibility community which beforehand was not really um, I I didn't really consciously know that there was such a community out there and that there are these resources out there and and also in that accessibility community I feel like we go through a lot of the processes of discovering how painful it can be when you realize that you have been building products but you haven't really thought about that particular group. And to realizing that, and making sure that you then change your ways, and make sure that accessibility is something that you look towards, um, whether it's websites or other products, because it's not just it's not only websites. Um, it's a very important mechanism to do.
1: Excellent. I, I think I, I think yeah. Just just embrace it. Just you know. As you said, always discovering new aspects of it, um, and and doing the work, just just it it takes time too. Absolutely. I mean, can you? I'm not sure you already mentioned, but could you give us a an estimate of a, about how much time you've been been doing this, and how much time you've dedicated to the work?
2: Mm. Oh, that is that is an important aspect that I always underline because while I do live with chronic illnesses, and they impact upon not necessarily my time, but upon my energy quite a lot which then impacts upon my time because I have to spend time just doing nothing. I also say I don't have any kids. And that's a big, big, big factor. If I had kids, it might be different because I would be taking care of those kids. And I still have sort of that luxury of having the ability to take time out. But in essence, what I would say is, um, as I mentioned, my mom discovered feminism in the 19. So th- that's where it started for me. Um, and then just as a as a child, and then also my teenage years reading a lot about different cultures around the world and discovering that their history and what what is sort of what are the characteristics there. I think that was a good baseline. And then I would say, over the last three, four, five years, consciously bit by bit get building up my knowledge base and um since twitter and linkedin are sort of now well manipulated by me i i wouldn't say that i do this very consciously (laughs) during the week Uh, so it kind of comes to me Um, but then when i see that there is an interesting resource or something that i should familiarize myself with then i follow up on it and then i would estimate if i had to break it down probably Half an hour to an hour every week, plus the, the, the aspects that come up in my work as well. So it's a combination of that.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Um, so, you know, a, a, big, a, a big focus of our podcast is to also get people um, who are perhaps interested in getting involved uh, doing the work. To to get started, and I'm wondering, as someone who has been at this for a while, do you have any advice for people who are interested to get started, uh, besides what you've already touched upon?
2: Network, 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 network. Communities, <laughs> as the one that you are leading uh, and driving, it's it's so essential, and I mean this in more than one sense because um, also looking at, for example, young women that are interested in going into tech or being in tech, working in tech network because this is essentially the community that will enable you to know about jobs that might not be on the the public boards and so forth. Um, But it also, what you will have by that, you will meet people of various backgrounds and you will exchange with them and you will learn from them. You will meet people who are very experienced in their career and have seen a lot of things. You will meet young folks who are super motivated and driven and come in with this curiosity. And you just generally expand your horizon. Same as traveling, right? Going out there, seeing the world. Again, you have to be able to afford this. We shouldn't underestimate this. And also with community work and being active in communities, you also need to be able to afford it. So can you take that time out from taking care of your children and so forth. So it, I, I see this as two sides of the coin. We need to make sure that folks can have that opportunity, but um, it's also good to encourage folks to take the opportunity that's there and to go out and, and venture forth and so forth. So. Um, there are, as, you, as you can see, I'm always delving into the sort of subtext and <laughs> making sure that we understand various situations. Um, but yeah, that's what I would recommend. And, and just generally staying curious, um, wanting to learn, being open to learn, and listening, believing stories also, and making sure that um, there is a personal understanding of what you want to be as an ally, how you can support. And then, as I said, getting out that magic wand and spreading your magic.
1: That is wonderfully put. I appreciate it so much.
0: <laughs> well, And at th- the same time, uh, as a resource, I want to point to uh, your website as well, uh, fh-digital.org, right? You write their uh, interesting articles, blog posts, and I think you're available as a speaker on these topics I mean, that's how <laughs> I follow you online, and you have your own content on YouTube as well. Um, so, we're going to make sure to put this in the show notes uh, if people want to talk to you on these topics.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, for me, sort of, um, what also was, was re- a re- really good um, journey um, to this point was, uh, as I mentioned, discovering accessibility and also talking about things that at, at this point, I felt nobody had really talked about, which was accessibility for developers sort of in the larger scheme of things. And so far we had always seen um, a very strong focus on um, how to support developers who are blind or developers who are hard of hearing and so forth, but to have sort of that over overall picture of also from the employer view of what you can do to ensure accessibility for your employees. So um, I I do think there are a couple of talks online uh, of me um, mentioning that and and going into detail there. And also obviously my my research on um, stats um, for tech folks in Germany and also diversity there. So happy to support and to exchange on those topics anytime if somebody is interested.
1: I s- I saw that talk the one on the statistics that was incredible could we, I would love to add that to the show notes it Absolutely eye opening
0: It is you talk about a, a good perspective on uh, the German market on how it is with development developer numbers mm. And if my
2: resources allow me to do so, I will do a second iteration. I'm just waiting for a couple more stats to come in, particularly the sort of the main uh, um, source of information that I used, which was from the Federal Agency of Employment in Germany uh, about the numbers um, of it folks. they They basically did this very, very um, um, in-depth study. And uh, I'm just I'm just dying to get the new numbers so that I can do. That I can see how Corona impacts the industry because, We see signals that does, but it somehow also doesn't because it's kind of resilient and so forth. So this is really thrilling and um, what I have been doing is I have been trying to gather other sources in the meantime that can then sort of um, be be implemented there as well. And yeah, I do hope, I, I really hope that I can do that, that a second video soon to make sure that we have another un- a better understanding after Corona of um, how the the tech industry is currently or uh, what the outlook currently is there.
0: I'm that gonna is... keep an eye on that.
1: Yeah, you know, Timian, um, I actually briefly touched upon doing how uh, the COVID the pandemic has has impacted uh, employment and and the gender discrimination that comes with that. So definitely something to keep up keep an eye out or an ear out for.
2: And and, and the central question that I haven't yet been able to answer is we have seen how uh, women leave the workforce in droves because of corona and how that impacted. What we haven't yet gotten a good understanding is do women leave STEM jobs, and in particular tech jobs, because of that as well in droves? Uh, Or does it not affect anything? we don't have any answers on this at this point, right? And we do know that women proportionately proportionally leave tech jobs more than men do and yes. quicker, but we haven't yet seen how Corona interplays with that. And um, for me, it's just not, on the one hand it's a thrilling topic, but if we were to see that it would impact there, it would also be a tragic topic and it would lead me to think what well, can we do to make sure yes. that, that does not impact any more negatively than it already does.
0: Yes, it's hard enough as it is. Francisca, last question. If you could go back and start over, let's say, on your career path, would you change anything? I have thought about
2: this uh, with the experiences <laughs> that I had, not just because you ask it. Um, probably not much because I'm also a big and firm believer in you need to make your mistakes to learn from mm-hmm. them and um again when we look at sort of the the gender disparity there there's often the expectation that women need to be more perfect and they, they, they need to prove themselves more i say no go forth and make mistakes it's important um, and but again can they can they afford making mistakes that's a good question but what i would probably change is starting out my career for me i think salary was not a big topic at that point I do come from a working class background, so it, it was more of like at some point I need to earn enough so that I can make a living, but I wasn't very strong and very adamant about it at the beginning of my career. And I think that I would change. I would be more um, verbal about what kind of salary I would want and also be more conscious about the fact that living with chronic illnesses and me not having status in Germany, which is another thing entirely and very complicated, I need to make sure that I have a living that enables me to live a life that where I can just spontaneously buy medication if there was a medication for me, for example. But um, it's it's so imperative that um, just just this week I saw this like, study of um, women are not so much about salary and it's more about the acknowledgement that they get in the job. And I, I'm like, yeah, that's that's true in a way, but. Why shouldn't we look more towards salary? Why shouldn't we be strong on, no, I'm I'm not going to get less pay than the colleague. Um, And oftentimes this happens sort of in a a very covered way because people don't talk about it. So talk to your colleagues, make sure that you are up to date with what everyone is earning. At least in Germany and the, the laws according to, according to German law, you are allowed to talk about your salary even though contracts say differently. So also having that knowledge about what is contractually, what you are contractually able to do and whatnot. So having that knowledge that I have now, I would go in with a completely different mindset and I would be much more of an advocate for myself then I had been in that situation and um, and I can give the advice to, to all of the young folks uh, out there starting now, be very strong on what you can get, try to do the research, but then be also very vocal about um, what you should get in that scenario from employers and um, getting your fair share. That's what it's all about for the hard work that you put in.
1: Amazing. I Amazing. couldn't
0: agree more.
2: <laughs>
1: Thank you so Absolutely. much. That's wonderfully put. Well, uh, I could stay in chat forever. But <laughs> Francisca, too. we want to be respectful of your time. Before we wrap up, um, is there any place where folks can get in touch with you that you would like to, to tell them about? Um, and is there any organization or resource out there that you'd like to give a shout out to before we go? Oh, good
2: question. Um... At the places, currently we're all online anyway, but I'm mostly to be found on Twitter and LinkedIn. So uh, this is where I, I usually regularly post and also exchange with folks a lot, um, basically sort of broadcast my my wisdom to the world. Um, but uh, as for organizations, there are so, like organizations, communities, there are so many. I don't feel like I would do one <laughs> uh, awesome justice if I mentioned just one, but um, what i'm a big fan of is um, obviously initiatives like the ones you are leading Um, so be that women tech makers be that women who code um, be that uh, oh my goodness i'm probably forgetting all of the (laughs) the important ones Uh, but also uh, initiatives that like the accessibility club for example that i'm part of as a co-organizer in berlin uh, for the accessibility group Um, then there are some what i haven't yet seen is sort of Uh, a group for folks in tech who live with disabilities, chronic illnesses, and neurodiversity. That might be interesting. Um, So I I do see there's a gap um, that where we could link up a little bit more, Uh, but generally anything that helps women and and people in marginalized groups thrive in tech, I'm a big fan of that and I support that fully. And I've probably spoken at a couple of them. So um, always a pleasure to be there.
0: Okay, then
1: we'll have to share those, we'll have to share those All of them, (laughs) Uh,
0: or rather just to take it as an opportunity, as a shout out to everybody who feels um, uh, touched by that, uh, because we want to invite you on our podcast. We have a series on uh, gender equality role models, such as Francisca today at the show, but we also showcase gender um, equality organization role models. Um, And on all aspects, not just necessarily gender equality could also be in other aspects of diversity, you are more than welcome to reach out.
1: Well, this has been an absolute delight. Francisca, Timia, thank you both so much. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Get in touch. Let's chat. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. And thanks,
0: Francisca. Bye are you on the forefront of gender equality you are invited on our podcast
1: that's right or maybe you know somebody that we could have a chat with on gender equality you should totally get in touch with us we're on twitter at gender coffee or any of the other contact methods on our show notes we would love you to get in touch and for us to have a chat